0: Hey, folks, this is Steve By, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, so turn it up. Hey, this is
1: Inge J. Malmsteen, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Steve Morse, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
0: Oh!
2: Welcome to episode 215 of the Iron City Rocks Podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music talk on the net. Episode 215, we keep it short, we're going to keep it to the point, we have joining us Joe Satriani. Uh, Joe's been on the show a few times. Joe is currently in the midst of his Unstoppable Momentum Tour, which is going to be coming through the Pittsburgh market, as well as many, many other markets. Uh, really a Really fantastic bill. And not only do you get Joe Satriani, but you get Steve Morris. Steve Morris, uh, current guitarist of Deep Purple, has played, uh, continues to play with the Dixie Dregs and also is a phenomenal solo artist as well, a uh, guest on the show a couple of years back. Uh, so cannot recommend Steve Morris, uh, Joe Satriani enough. That show is September 29th at the Carnegie Library Music Hall of Homestead. Uh, tickets available, uh, if you go to com, you can find more information about that. So, we're going to turn the mic over to Sean, talking to Joe Satriani. Talk to me, talk to
0: me, all I want is a little
3: conversation,
1: talk to me.
3: Hi everyone, today with us we have a very special guest, Joe Satriani. How are you doing today, Joe?
1: I'm feeling great today, thanks for having me on the show.
3: Uh, Thanks for coming on the show. It's always an honor to talk to you. Starting out, you just recently released uh, your 14th studio album, Unstoppable Momentum. Can you talk a little bit about this album? Specifically, let's start with writing the album.
1: Uh, You know, the album uh, was pretty much written over uh, 2012. Uh, You know, that year had me doing Chicken Foot Tours, uh, some Ronnie Montrose uh, memorial shows, and three separate g3s and you know down under and uh south america and europe so there's a lot of playing it seemed like i was playing with more musicians in one 12-month period than i had ever done uh and then you know during the breaks i'd go home and i'd be working on more music more music i didn't know really where i was going i had some songs that you know were Two years older you know one or two songs that were like you know 25 years old and I had a bunch of stuff so I had about 60 songs so between the end of October and uh just the end of December of 2012 I sat down and I edited 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 and tried to get it down to 15 pieces and I wound up with 16 that I really wanted to do and uh and then um I suppose early November, I, I hadn't really picked a band yet either. Um, but on that preliminary edit process, um, and most of the stuff having been written at home, um, I, I felt like I was in a space, you know, both geographically and sort of emotionally, where I could figure out that I needed some new people to come in to sort of, uh, you know, inspire me to play in a different way, finish these songs. So um, that's kind of like how it happened. And, you know, I write on guitar, keyboards. I write almost anywhere, you know, I am in the house, in town. Uh, I can write in my head and then, you know, sing it into my phone or something like that. Basically, if I get an idea, I do not put it off because ideas evaporate you know
0: yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, so uh, yeah if I get an idea I just go with it and I get it down written or recorded as soon as possible so I don't forget it
3: now when you're working on the songs for the album do you write all the parts or when you bring in the musicians you let them you know work out the bass lines or whatnot or do you have an idea of where you want those to go
1: yeah I think I, you know I've only done one album where I actually did not make demos I only wrote out uh, Simple Charts, and that was uh, Crystal Planet. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that was just a funny, you know, I just wanted to see what it would be like to never hear my songs until I heard a band playing them. Right. It was interesting to do it that way. This time around, and and like uh, quite a lot of records these days, because timing is such a different issue these days, because everyone's always moving around so much on tour, you do really do have to prepare ahead of time and then very often uh you only have access to musicians for a few days right their schedule so um i have a home studio i've got pro tools i will create uh session templates with materials some of which is keeper uh performances on guitar and keyboards and some of which are just reference and i bring that into the studio the musicians listen to the demo and we decide which parts of the demo we're going to hear as we retract the basics. So as we retrack drums, bass, live keyboards, and live guitar, we might be hearing demo rhythm guitar, a demo weird synthesizer, you know, so that, let's say, in this case, Mike could improvise a live B3 organ mm-hmm. while listening to some weird synthesizer thing. And um, that's pretty much how we did it. So that... that the routine was uh, Vinny and Chris and Mike would show up around 11 in the morning at the studio. They would be given an MP3. They would listen to it. They would make their own charts. They would start picking through their gears to see what was inspiring to them at that moment. And then we would start tracking. And, you know, within a few hours, it was done.
3: When you're writing, you know, for your solo albums versus
1: writing for Chickenfoot, do you uh, approach
3: the songs differently? Or you know, you pretty much do it all the same way.
1: Well, pretty much, I get inspired one way or the other at the onset. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can only think of maybe one or two instances where it went the other way. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, it's really great to have in your mind, you know, the image of Sammy Hagar singing. It really is a great right. you know, beacon um, that you can write towards, and um, and so if. If once I start off, if I'm not feeling that, then I know, oh, this is definitely an instrumental. Uh, but it, it's interesting that you ask that question because on this album, there was a song that was brought in for the Chicken Foot 3 album, and it became A Door Into Summer, uh, which was our, our first single from, from the album. Right. And I brought that in thinking it would be a really cool song for Sam not to sing in the verses but to talk to the audience in the verses and then to come up with a very strong melody for the chorus which was kind of long compared to you what what Sam usually likes to sing. Mm-hmm. He usually His choruses to have very little information as opposed to you know really really long drawn out kind of thing. So I remember the day I brought it in and it just didn't go over. <laughs> It was really funny. I was Sam was looking at me like, "Are you nuts?" And I'm going, "Well, yeah, I'm nuts, but give me a second, you know." And then, of course, it requ- the song required Chad, Mike, and myself to kind of play it cool for quite for long periods of time, which is right. very mm-hmm. unchickenfoot like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Most most of the stuff is sounds like organized chaos. You know, when we play together, <laughs> so. You know, after a couple of minutes, you know, we realized, you know, that uh, this wasn't the right song, and we moved on to another one that's, you know, Bigfoot or something like that, that was more like what they were right. wanting from me at the moment, you know. But I remember driving, I was driving home that day thinking, you know, this this is great, because this song really, it really was not a chicken foot song after all, and I think I just need to unlock the secret of how to play it on guitar. Right. And, Um, So that took a a very interesting journey.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a great song. The the whole album, um, it seems like you're exploring a lot of different genres, even, like, within, you know, the same song. Was that something you set out to do?
1: Yeah, I I wanted to uh, be as expressive as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, that kind of goes without saying, but I I think, you know, you ask a very good question there, and it it comes with some great observations that – I wasn't afraid, you know, to blend uh, stylistic influences within one song. For me, it was all about being more expressive than I'd been before, mm-hmm. being surprising with choices of uh, guitar tones, um, instrumental accompaniment that's around me, um, you know, like where you would expect, um, you know, something sweet, I would play something intense, and right. where you'd think there would be a... a a small drum kit, there was a big drum kit, or vice versa, you know. Um, I I think, um, you know, the the album was, the songs for the album were picked in a way to sort of shine a light on that, on that sort of uh, excitement about trying to come up with some new things. Because, I mean, you know, I I kept thinking, 2013, let's got to do something fresh.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've had, you know, a long great career so far and and is there anything like with the title of this album does that mean anything specific because like with Unstoppable Momentum I mean you can take that several different ways
1: yeah well you know I was sitting in my uh, studio uh, one afternoon and I was just starting to think about how the fact that uh, I was probably more excited about doing a record and you know redesigning my JS guitar and you know and tweaking my new signature martial amp and i was thinking about that and i was kind of like wow this is like i've been doing this a long time you know i've been a guitar player since i was 14 and i started out as a drummer at age nine and here i am you know i just turned 57 (laughs) (laughs) and i'm really excited about it and i'm working more than ever and you know i've got a book coming out i've got art books and i've got the the whole catalog being released next year of and I'm working on a new album and you know there was a lot of stuff going on and I thought this is amazing this is like I I need to write a song about the what seems to be this momentum that is building throughout my life rather than me slowing down right. and doing fewer things I'm uh I'm not speeding up but the, the but the quality is getting better and the the quantity of projects that I'm able to handle is growing and so I'm I, I realized this that means I'm you know I'm growing wider as an artist, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh I thought to myself, like, what is that? how can I represent that? And I just started playing this thing in five four and I just started playing those chords it, and that to me was the crystallization of the project right there was the fact that I had a song that was really kind of about you know, those moments of of positive realization, you know, that things Things have been building up to, you know, this great point and they seem to be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah,
3: and it's, yeah, and that song, I mean, it's just, you know, it throws a smile in my face every time I hear it. And like most of the songs that, you know, of yours is just great, great to listen to and it's always very easy to connect with. Um, oh, that's great.
1: Glad to hear you say that. Now, I, but let me throw in a disclaimer or an apology that, when when I wrote that title down, I the first thing I realized is that it's almost impossible to pronounce. And so I spent like uh, a month or two with these flashcards on these uh, on this uh, corkboard with every different way of saying it that rolled off the tongue a little bit better. And then eventually I realized that, you know, it's gonna be called unstoppable momentum even though it seems like a tongue twister to me. And uh, so I apologize for that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you need to apologize for anything. Um, You mentioned, you know, tweaking the JS model and then your new uh, Marshall Head and whatnot. Um, You know, the JS guitar has been, you know, a staple of Ibanez's lineup for a long time. And, you know, I've, I've played those guitars and they're great guitars. How do you keep, I mean, do you make improvements to that guitar throughout the years or is that, you know... Is the guitar where you like it yet?
1: Yeah, we are continually tweaking and sort of uh, coming up with new models. It it takes years, actually, um, to, you know, to come up with those models that are radically different. Mm -hmm. You You know, we started out with the JS1, JS2, and they were mainly changes and finishes. And then the JS6 came along, which was all mahogany body, just oiled, no paint, no vibrato bar strings going through the body it was a very radically different Mm -hmm. guitar but it was featured on the extremist album and and quite a few albums after that even the Chickenfoot albums it's a very intense sort of like a sg meets a js guitar kind of a thing right Um, and so but that took actually quite a lot of time to work out and then we did different versions of that we came up with different models of the JS design using uh, an altered locking bridge system. Um, and uh, probably the longest running project has been a single coil uh, Stratocaster like uh, JS guitar,
0: okay. which
1: we're still working on. I think this is like the eighth year. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, you know, we're just focused on making a quality product that. Uh, can offer some innovation, and right. you know you know we try different woods uh and you know each year, believe it or not, each year the source of wood changes, and sometimes you know you might have your heart set on poplar, and then by the time you're getting near production, it turns out the poplar available in the world is not very nice, and
0: so right.
1: you go, okay, the hell with poplar, let 's go with ash you know and yeah. the, the search goes on, so um but right now that's the one that we you know we've been. We we last I don't see how many years ago two or three years ago we put out the JS 2400 which was the first 24 fret model, and then um, almost uh, at the same time as that was released we were working on a alternate version that used uh, alder for the body instead of basswood and this this would sort of tighten up the low end a bit and give a bit of a uh, bit more teeth in the mid range and. Um, I use that uh quite a bit on the Chicken Foot albums and um the 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 tour behind the Wormhole Wizards and the saturated movie and all that and um uh, and of course we just released that and it's this you can't miss it because it's orange right right right, right. <laughs> On the album, the new album cover, um, and uh, so yeah, so those things, you know, it's amazing how many years it took to develop that, get it going, and then it's got to get into production, and then people order it, and then it starts showing up in stores. But man, you gotta, you know, you have to persevere in this business, you know. Right.
3: So, let's talk about the tour. Right now, I guess you're on break, and you got the U.S. leg of the tour uh, starting up at the end of August, um, and you're touring with uh, Steve Morse opening, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely
3: fantastic. And yeah, Steve Morse is, you know, another incredible guitar player. How did uh how did you choose him to to support you on this tour?
1: Well, we played a lot last year, uh, together. He was uh you know featured on our G three tour. Um and we we've played, I mean we've known each other since eighty eight. He's been a, a very gracious friend and uh we share, of course, uh both uh you know our connection to deep purple right. he obviously has been working with that band for many years and and helped reinvent the band and um I've just always been a fan of his music mm-hmm. uh and he's an incredible musician and a very funny and interesting guy to hang out with on tour um I always just love hearing him uh you know uh in any, any chance i get and it just turned out that as we were looking for um somebody interesting. To play with, and uh, we were talking about the tour. He did mention to us that he was available, uh, you know, right up until I think the last two weeks. So um, we made it happen.
3: Cool, cool. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, you guys coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, planning cool. on being there. Um, is, can you? Is there uh, plans to bring G3 back to the states anytime soon? Because I know it's been a while since you guys just been uh, a G3 tour in the U.S.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's going to happen. You know, within 12 months, um, we generally have to be very sort of, uh, quiet about who we're talking to
0: until
1: everything is really in ink, uh, uh, you know, uh, so, um, but yeah, we, it's, you're right, it's, you know, we're about due for the U.S. run, um, having been just about everywhere else with it, so, um. But I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy those tours, and they're, you know, yeah, their fans just really love
3: it. They're a lot of fun. Um, and then, would there be another Chickenfoot album eventually?
1: I hope so. <laughs> uh, I just had dinner with Chad and, and Sam on Saturday, um, and uh, so we, you know, we were talking about how we could possibly work that out. It's Great. it's a tough one. I mean, it's it's you know between Sam's. Uh, you know, multifaceted life, uh, Chad with the Chili Peppers and my own things with, with the solo tour and G3, it's just really difficult to find that spot where it's not forced, but right. it, it um, gives us enough time to do it right.
3: And then real quick, one last thing I wanted to ask, you. I'm just kind of curious, you know, I mean, you know, you, you tour around a lot and you, you've been all over. Do, is there any new up-and-coming, you know, shredding guitar players that, you know, have caught your ear?
1: Um, I think, um, you know, the players that uh, the last couple of weeks that I've been really listening to is probably Tobin Abbasi from mm-hmm. Animal Leaders. It's just so out there compared to what I do every day, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and he's a great musician, and the band is great, and, and uh, so that impresses me. Um, I The, the new uh, Queens of the Stone Age record, I really like that as well. I think, you know, that style of guitar playing, Uh, to me is really fascinating it just always sounds good to me and it's you know the the way that Josh and and, and the guys the way they layer their rhythm and melody and parts I just think it's really brilliant so I guess it's the last couple of weeks Those are the two guys I've been listening to the most
3: cool cool well um, I want to thank you for coming on the show I mean it was a real pleasure uh, getting a chance to talk to you and uh, looking forward to seeing you out on the road
1: yeah see you there
3: all right cool
1: thank you very much joe all
2: right bye-bye all right a big thanks to joe satriani for coming again he will be here on september 29th to do the show in the pittsburgh market at the carnegie library music hall of homestead go to satriani.com and get all the information about the tour and joining him on the tour as i've mentioned going into the interview steve morris uh who if you're a fan of, of the satriani by uh john petrucci of dream theater kind of guitar you cannot go wrong with uh Steve Morris, so check that out as well, Steve for more information on him. We'd like to invite you to drop any feedback, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We're on Facebook.com forward slash iron city rocks, twitter.com forward slash iron but easiest of all to remember, ironcityrocks.com. Check it out. Also our sister show, heavymetalbookclub.com and all our brothers on castironring.com. So give all those sites a look. Uh, and visit and like them all, love them, enjoy them. Um, We appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we will be back soon with uh, more great episodes. Thank you.